just got off the phone with a nice meeting we can't talk about it too much yet but next episode we'll be able to or the episode after that or maybe even an episode in between because we do tweeners from time to time sure right? well whenever tom tells us to but it was with uh, tom marshall and rj tom of the uh beneath the scales under the scales there you go rob excuse me you're excused well, at first, I was always calling it above the scales because of above the waves, because the dis- disco biscuits demented the me. Waves. They demented me in the late '90s, early 2000s. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Uh, and also, RJ with the uh, Helping Friendly podcast. Really good episode with uh, a fish fan who's a yoga instructor. Namaste. Let me tell you why, because it reminds me of the Colonel always t- t- talking He's about. Colonel did yoga. Did he really? No. Oh no, but he's always talking about do you know put what you do to good use when you can. And to me, RJ has done that with the Helping Friendly Podcast because what if you're a fish fan and you're sort of yoga curious and you've never really pursued it, and then you hear this episode where he first sets up what a great fish fan he is and then starts drawing parallels between, you know, you know, talking about all the shows he's seen and then how he got into yoga and all this. So now if you're at home and you're a fish fan and you decide to look into yoga based on that podcast, which is a very healthy thing, there's a chance RJ's changed somebody's life positively for, the, for you know, for the rest of their life. That's pretty cool, huh? It is. Well, appreciate that. <laughs> appreciate that. How are things going with you? Hey, Rob, I want to tell everyone something. Go ahead. Inside out, WTNS dot com. That's the other name. We got a website. We're working on it. Harris is right here with us, who has been spearheading the website creation. Yes, thank you, Harris, and thanks for anyone who's going to check it out. It's just a start. We did, you know, look. 
It's time that we get a web presence. And that's what we did. Uh, we'll have an email newsletter sign up there. So please go there and sign up. And just, to, you know, we'll, we'll be releasing our episodes as we always do. But we'll start to incorporate that into the website. And later down the road, we're going to have the, what did we, oh, Rob's Crumbs. Yeah, I'm going to start uh, posting some of my research, some of the things I find in research. Maybe some reviews from the past, maybe some current things. Uh, playlists, all sorts of stuff. So we're going to get creative with it. But InsideOutWTNS.com, home of Inside Out with Turner and Seth. Maybe list some of the things Jambam websites uh, covered on days when we released and they didn't cover us. Would that, could we do a page on that? We could do a page on that. We well, could maybe also just do make it a segment on the segment. show. Yeah, let's do a segment. Do you want to do one of those today? on the? No, out? it's too late for today because we're not prepared. But I, would, I was thinking about doing it in the past. I found some really like crazy, sh- sh- trivial shit. But I think that's kind of unfair, you know. But moving forward. Well, uh, we're talking all publications. Yeah, any publication, about, yeah. sure. Rolling Stone, anybody. On, on any day we release an episode, if you choose not to cover us, you become fodder for us to really take a look at what you are covering. And we'll discuss it on the show. Right, Seth? That's right, Rob. And maybe it'll be good. Maybe it'll be indi- indicative of what a spot-on journalistic organization you are. And, and by the way, let's thank Scott Bernstein for his coverage of... Um, our Andy Farrick and Joel Cummins episode, Joel AARP Cummings and Andy Xanadu uh, Farrick. Yes, thank you, Jambase. What I like about Scott is he listens to our podcast. He listens to the whole thing. Yeah, he, he might not cover it every week, but he gives it a chance and listens to it thoroughly. Well, when it's of interest to him, he does. Yeah, I don't know if he listens to every episode. I think he's a regular listener is now. He? He well, didn't Scotty, to. if you're listening right now... Hey, speaking of which, by the way, uh, we have someone that won a contest last week, Rob. All right, all right. Let's see. So we played a little bit of music for you all at the outro there, and Rob couldn't hear the music, uh, but he did listen to it after, and he guessed right away. But um, the answer was the slip, and Mike McPhee is the one that won. So, Mike, we've got a nice uh, gift on its way to you. Uh, We appreciate you listening. Slip fans, I have a plan to reunite the band, and that will be forthcoming. Within 10 episodes, I will reveal... My plan to reunite the slut. And speaking of the Bar Brothers, I was at a bar mitzvah this weekend for uh, Carrie Romanoff's son, and my son talks all about on his podcast, the Daryl Podcast. Daryl Podcast episode three is now available. You're popping all over the mic. Am I? Yeah, I I still want to do Inside Pout with Turner and Daryl, but you won't let me. I won't. Inside Pout. With Turner and Daryl. And why won't you let me? Because It'll be better than yours (sighs) with Daryl. Speaking of better, I got to say- Vince Herman yes. is such an enjoyable character. What a day we had with Vince Herman. Let's paint the picture for you, folks. First of all, we went out to the Hunt House in Marietta, which is gorgeous. We went out on Josh Thane's recommendation. Josh is our engineer, although he's not putting together this episode. He, or uh, He didn't help us record it. Seth did it all on his own. Very good oh job. Oh, my God. Thanks so oh much. Oh, my God. God. Oh, my God. I tried so hard. He's a self-starter. <laughs> But Josh brought us out to the Hunt House, which was, you know, built around Civil War, was it? It was built around the Civil War. And it was just, a, it's just such a nice place, the building we, uh... You know, it's interesting, though, they were not in a race to build it. That was really worthy of interrupting me, huh? yeah. Was that good? No. It was that good. It was racy. But, um, it's this old-style house, and they had a little bar and VIP area in the basement of it, and then they had a little room where, um, Josh had seen Kevin Kinney with a stand-up bass. I was, it was a tiny little venue, but then where Vince and his son performed was out back. Yeah, this, it, it's a nice area for a wedding, it's a nice area for a, an event, um, but all in all, it's, um, it was a beautiful 
pre-fall day. It was uh, it was really neat. It was really neat. Hey, Open air, and the people under the tent were more focused on the show, and then you had a little area behind that for people who wanted to chat and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and Vince's son, really, we're not blowing smoke up Vince's ass here, people. Vince's son can play. He is fantastic. Yeah, he is. He is. Uh, I was talking to Drew Emmett the other day about um, about Vince's son, and Drew has a kid also, a daughter, I believe, who is a phenomenal singer, and I'm like, do they ever play together? And I guess they do occasionally, but how funny would that be is to like have like all the kids of Leftover Salmon start another band called Leftover Leftover Salmon? There you go. And then you could make up a game based around that or something? Oh, I'm sure I can, but we're not talking about that right now, Rob. One other thing on Drew Emmett, when Green Sky Bluegrass played the Tabernacle, Drew Emmett was in town in Atlanta and apparently went out of his way and made sure he was there and was invited up and did a bunch of jamming with them, right, Seth? Yeah, I mean, it was unfortunate that he was available because he was supposed to be playing a festival with Leftover and that festival got canceled and the Wood Brothers and some other bands were on that bill and it was not in Atlanta, it was outside of Atlanta, um, I want to say South Carolina, anywho. Uh, he was going to travel outside. He was going to travel back through Atlanta, and he's like, "Well, screw it, you know. I'm going to. I can leave tonight, or I can leave tomorrow. Green skies in town tonight." So he he popped over and sat in with them. Outstanding, definitely, definitely. The Tabernacle drew some energy, man. Oof. It's a festival near Georgia, and they didn't contact us to promote or anything like that. Oh, because yeah, because you know all festivals contact us. No one contacts us. Con- if you want to contact us right now, it's insideoutwtns at gmail dot com. Maybe it would have survived with a little, you know, T- WTNS bump. A little, uh, a little TNS. So we're gonna talk uh, at the end of the episode. I had I had a nice little four night run. Even an old fart like me can still have life-changing, wonderful four-night runs of music. And then uh, I had a little cameo at Halloween. We could talk about that. Seth, you had a couple things you want to talk about. You want to, you want to do your mother one more time? I have Seth's to... mother call in. That's literally that she just called. We're that... going to have Seth's mother call in at the end, too. So, but let's but That get... was just her calling. Well, hi, Mrs. Weiner. No, I don't have her on right she now. she making sure your daddy? I'll talk about that later. Um, but let's, I want to finish talking about Vince, though. Vince... The interview with Vince, I want to just give you guys, paint the picture. That was really, really nice little sit down on a couch and Rob and I in the room and a very cozy thing. Now, we've known Vince for several years. Well, Seth, you have. I've, I've met him a couple times and he didn't remember me. You've known him pretty well. I, I have. I've done a lot of fun stuff with him throughout the years. And um, it, this this interview, though, really touched on all emotions uh, there there's there's funny moments and there's really some somber and sincere ones actually some of the funniest moments we've had yet i think in, I, in the interview portion i think so i think you're right uh well I'll, I, I'll let you all decide because this really you're the listener you you know this is for you this one's for you this one goes out to the podcast listener i love so uh let's protest and uh enjoy what will now and forever be the Vince Herman interview. Surrealist newscast, a streaming every night. I can't help feeling something. Well, it just ain't right. We're taking 10 steps backwards, 50 steps to the side. But our truth ain't fiction We won't live a lie Foxes in a hen house Dogs out of the yard Fences all collapsing in In this house of cars 
So we're at the Hunt House in Marietta, and we're joined by Vince Herman. Howdy, y'all. Welcome. Great to be here in this really cool place. They say it's a, a relic of the Civil War. Well, you know, the battlefield's just across the way here on Kennesaw Mountain. Mm-hmm. And uh, this house we're in right now is built in 1890. So, wow. Um, yeah, maybe they had some, some memories going, you know, you know, some old wood or something. Yeah. I immediately went for iced tea because I knew it would be delicious, and it was. Good, good southern iced tea. The recipe actually goes back to the 1700s, Rob. Well, my enjoyment of it goes back to about 23 minutes ago. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So I, I got to call you out on one thing, though. I, when I do research on you, you have a, a, a way of giving different answers about whether or not you grew up in a musical family, although you always say that polka bands you saw at your wedding, at weddings you went to, were really what kind of lit the fire first. Is that yeah. accurate? That's, that's accurate. I, mean, I grew up in a really large family, and, and uh, polka bands were at every wedding. And uh, I didn't think you'd get married without an accordion, you know? So... Uh, uh, if if I if I was asked what American musical style is going to be the next next thing, I I would say polka man. It's an underappreciated American music form. It and not really just that. Is. Did you know the most popular name for a female polka singer? Dot polka dots. Oh yeah. Oh absolutely. And rough. <laughs> All right. Polka. Everybody wants the polka. You ever seen the Big Joe Polka Show? No, I need to. RFD TV, amazing. Every wedding you went to in the 70s, but it was recorded last week. (laughs) Amazing show. My first introduction to polka was Grateful Dead tapes when I was young, before like Mexicali or something, Bob Weir would be like, well, now it's polka time, everybody. And then they play Mexicali. That That was was a really good Bobby you did (laughs) there. Nice. And Calypso, too, right? Isn't that a big thing of yours? And Absolutely. was that the second one? Did Polka lead you to Calypso? And then <laughs> Calypso lead at Elkin, West Virginia, and then the festivals led you to everything. Because I want to talk about this thing in Elkin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Elkin's uh, the Augusta Fest. But no, I, I, I grew up in Pittsburgh, uh, uh, discovered uh, bluegrass and old-timey music at the Smoky City Folk Festival, where I saw 30 people standing around in a group of you know picking this tune, and it looked like they had just met each other, and they were having that much fun with this kind of music i'm like i want to do that stuff (laughs) you know um you know great way to meet people and and go anywhere you know i i knew i wanted to travel a whole lot man man what a great way to meet and hang out with people and play tunes man but seth and i are kind of festival aware right festival but i don't think we knew about and i think of course vince is associated with festivals he's mayor of probably like eight festivals but i think (laughs) it might come from this elk in west virginia they would have six or seven weeks and a different theme each week, right? Can you, t- can yeah, you tell me? Yeah, it's the Augusta Heritage Festival uh, in Elkins, West Virginia. Beautiful spot. Um, Davis County, just a beautiful, beautiful spot. And it's on the campus of Davis and Elkins College. During the summer, you know, they, they use the dorms, the cafeteria, all this stuff. And they have classes with the masters oh, in, cool. in all these different forms. There's a Blues Week, an Irish Week. Uh, bluegrass week, an old time week, a Cajun week, and a dance week, and all of the best people in those hmm. forms. You know, it was in eighty, eighty one. I started going there eighty one through eighty five, and and got to play with you know Cajun music with Dewey Balfa, you wow, know, wow. and and uh, you know, Howard Armstrong on fiddle, and 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 uh, 
and you know bluegrass old deep old time got to play with jethro burns you know i mean it it was it was just mind-boggling i'd hitchhike down there every weekend you know sleep somewhere in the bushes on campus and uh you know or on the porch at hallie hurst you know this, this big big porched mansion there that, that these picks went on and oh it was just amazing you were around a lot of violins did you ever consider going for the violin Man, that's a tough one. I've 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 taken stabs at trying to play fiddle uh, over the years, man, and and uh, usually give up and, <laughs> and try to try to not find that fiddle for a while. That's a tough one, man. So that's back then you were playing one. guitar, singing, guitar and mandolin, you know, uh, for the most part. Yeah. Okay, and then as you get older, is it? I forget who it was. Someone you saw. You you wanted to go to Colorado. Specifically, no. You went to Telluride, and that got you to Colorado, right? Didn't you fall in love with Colorado going to Telluride? Is well, that what it a, was? A, a, a few friends from West Virginia had been going out to the Telluride Festival. I, I hadn't gone with them uh, at that point, but um, you know, heard tales of that, and I was big, big fan of Hot Rise. Knew that Hot Rise was there. What what prompted me to leave West Virginia is I was living in this house we were remodeling, and there wasn't power there, which meant there was no heat. Which uh, I was living in the attic, and, but there's tons uh, of coal in the area. Uh, yeah, tons of coal around. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it was starting to get cold, and I'm thinking, man, I don't really want to be living in this attic. I'd, I'd kind of give it up on school with six credits to go for graduating, and uh, uh, decided, man, it was time to go somewhere. And, and uh, my buddy was like, man, let's go to Colorado. You had never a, been before. There's a uh, uh, no. Well, I had hitchhiked through Colorado in 19. 19- 82 i hitched from uh west virginia to new york city and then out to seattle and got on a ferry to alaska um and went through colorado uh you know on that hitchhike adventure and saw snow in the mountains in may i was like whoa (laughs) this place is all right i'm gonna have to make a note and come back and investigate this upon uh later (laughs) adventures but uh, yeah, uh, at this point, you're not ever thinking playing music professionally, right? Or are you? Oh no, I'm, I'm playing music constantly. Uh, but, but professionally, but, but, but is it in still, your mind? Still had that voice in my head that says you can't do this, you know, for a living, man. You're going to have to have a, a backup, you know. You're going to have to do something else, you know. By chance, was that voice in your head like a little Jewish woman? Because <laughs> Seth's got like eight of them. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a little German father, actually. You know? <laughs> Not much difference. Yeah, 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 and uh, yeah, just you know, um, and and my my music teacher as a kid, uh, about two years into lessons, he said, Vince, you know, some people have it, some people don't. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> Well, he hadn't seen you at a festival yet. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I, I work with what I got. Yeah, you know? <laughs> but but yeah. Um, uh, so West Virginia to uh, to Colorado was prompted kind of by Hot Rise being out there, and you're like, like Shout I was out looking to for, I was looking for a different music scene uh, other than the West Virginia stuff that involved a bunch of bluegrass and stuff. That's a bluegrass and old timey is what I was really deep into and i thought colorado would fit that bill and drove on out there and pulled into boulder and the very first place we saw was a sign for bluegrass tonight and it was the left hand string band and um you know kind of fate dealt its card right there upon pulling into boulder so you would start salmon heads 
Well, I I was in the left hand string band for about a year and a half. Oh, okay. You would ended up joining them. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. I yeah. had that backwards. Yeah. Salmon yeah. heads were also existing already at the time. No, no. It, it, it probably eighty. I got the Boulder in eighty five. Probably eighty seven. I joined uh, the left hand string band for about a year and a half. Uh, at which point they found a better guitar player. <laughs> and that voice got ever more clear in his yeah. head. Yeah. <laughs> you really can't do this. You're right. <laughs> so then I started the Salmon Heads right. with another West Virginia friend. Just to spite that damn voice. Yeah, dang it. You know, all right. Man. Okay, well, it won't be bluegrass then. I'll be playing Cajun music. Psychedelic Cajun, just to piss Psychedelic you Cajun jug band stuff. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, we had the, you know, the weekly gig at, at McCabe's and, you know, all that kind of stuff and um you know had had a gig after about a year and a half into that we had a gig in uh crest of butte colorado new year's eve uh 1990 and uh, a couple of the guys in the salmon heads couldn't make it called up the boys in left hand to fill out the band and uh called it that stupid name on the way to the gig and uh you know careful careful what you call a band <laughs> You know. well, Humphreys McGee knows. Yeah. <laughs> we made it into it's this true. interview. It's not even true. not even ten full minutes before you mentioned Humphreys McGee. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Took two minutes for a Bob Weir. You're so predictable. What, well, I haven't gotten to the slip guys yet. Uh, Anyways, slip out. Can I just say that that um we've been on this tour for a week, my son and I, Silas and I, you know, down in the south, and it's been a biscuit tour. It really has been the tour of the biscuit. Um, we have the best. I don't think there. biscuits and disco go together, you Uh-oh. know. And and I'm and I'm and honestly, I'm a little worried. Um, the closer we got to Atlanta, the harder it was to find a good biscuit. What? Really? I'm just saying. Um, There's some places well, downtown. You, you know, it's uh, we're, we're we're we here in Atlanta are trying to watch our carbs. Okay. Yeah, that's that's what's going on here. Uh, my carbs are easier to watch all the time. <laughs> there are great biscuits in, in Decatur. Next time, let's get a heads up and take him out for biscuits in Decatur. Okay. Yeah. There's a couple of places we okay. can take you. But how was that transition? So was it immediately Leftover Salmon was created, or was, did the two bands linger after that gig, and then you, you came together as Leftover? And how smooth and how rough was that transition? The left-hand thing continued for a while. Um, and, and actually, when... when we we met Mark Van at, at Telluride in 1989, um, and he moved out to Colorado pretty much to be in the left hand string band. Um, Salmon, you know, kind of hadn't hadn't happened in '89, and we had kind of convinced him to move out, and he was going to join left hand, and the left hand was going to be the focus. But um, leftover just started doing more and more gigs and. And uh, found a connection to to the the ski town uh, scene, which was you know a rowdy, more than willing to get rowdy kind of thing, and and the idea of bluegrass uh, kind of hopped up with rock and roll, really kind of struck a chord there. I think interesting. And, so bluegrass has a big part in the whole ski scene, which we kind of know from string cheese, etc. You know the these, the, but I I when you think. Uh, when I think the white powder, well, I guess when I think white powder, I do think bluegrass. But when I think white powder <laughs> mountains, I don't really think bluegrass. You don't what think Eric Clapton? You know? <laughs> JJ Kale, really, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, tell me this, though. How, to what extent 
Do you think there's a direct correlation between Telluride bluegrass being there and all these trad, uh, trad slant rock, trad slant jam bands coming out of Colorado? Is there? Is this that is just the '90s you're talking about? Just, yeah, sure, but just in general, yeah, we still have. It's, it's still we're still picking that fruit now. Yeah. I think you know. Yeah, but it's it's definitely. Uh, a major part to tell you right as we were saying you know my friends went out to tell you right there's this colorado scene you know hot right. guys out there and you know very much a, a part of the scene and also there's the factor of boulder being the first hill to the west you know when when migrating across the plains in your post-college years you go to the first hill to the west right. which was boulder right. yeah you know? <laughs> and then you know it infuses through the rest of colorado there you know with the uh, you know demographic of people who were willing to travel and find a new lifestyle uh, you know out of their their east coast hometowns and and uh find an adventurous thing and and bluegrass music fit that that adventure and when did Leftover first play Telluride Bluegrass, and what are your memories of that? Um, boy, uh, I'm I'm really bad at dates. But like mid nineties ish, mid mid nineties, around yeah. the same time as the first time you played Merlefest. <clears throat> or would I that think be later? Merlefest was first. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. Because Left Hand was still playing the Telluride Bluegrass Festival. I see. So they for the take... first few years after Leftover started. So cool. Yeah. So I was actually jealous of you in the 90s because I was working for a band in a similar vein and you guys would get all the love and all the press. I mean, you guys just took right off. Flying yeah. Mice, you remember them? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, great band. Them. Really Absolutely good songwriting. Fun. Yes, John Chain did really, most of the Really, really good songwriting. Original members were John Whitehead and Mark Simonson and there were a couple other guys. And Chapel Hill? Like yes, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. you remember. John's still yeah. putting out great music. Yeah. Never, when never they... heard of him. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> But did you feel that? You had the energy of that, what, what later became the jam scene. You guys were already tapping into even before Jerry passed a little bit. You know, the scene really blew up after us, but you were kind of on the leading. You were even before String Cheese, right? Yep. We were pre-cheese. Yeah. Um, y- you know, people all, all, with music, you, you tend to want to say something started here or something started there as if it came out of nowhere. You know, we're just trying to be the nitty-gritty dirt band. You, you know, and and you know, mm-hmm. Newgrass and Hot Rise and and the Dirt Band and and uh, the David Bromberg Big Band, all those things were were kind of our, um, you know, rock and roll bluegrass kind of kind of things. Uh, um, the second show I ever saw as a kid was the David Bromberg Big Band, and it just blew my mind. Blew my mind. I so. love your cover, Danger Man. I came across it in the oh, research. Yeah. Do you do yeah. any any other covers of his? Oh man, we do a bunch of their stuff. Uh, his stuff, uh, um, "Demon in Disguise," nice. "Suffer to Sing the Blues," Sharon. Um, yeah, there's, there's spreadheads love stuff. the Sharon. Yeah, yeah. They, they actually, as a, as a community, a music community, they do share a lot. But seriously, yes. <laughs> as we get into the '90s, though, these artists you're talking about, you start. I know Grisman. I have an amazing recording. You have Grisman sitting in with you. You start playing with all these guys. Yeah, like, that's the yeah, Vassar and and everyone. Oh, yeah. I mean, you you. you you hit it. You played with everyone. Yeah. What do you think of from the '90s? What do you think of being a young band and and what what guest spots stick out like Rowan, Grisman, any of it? Well, I, I immediately think of the night at the Fillmore when uh, I'm lined up in a football t- uh, a front line position, uh, looking into David Grisman's eyes down in a similar position, coming at me with <laughs> this mandolin and and wow, that was kind of special. <laughs> 
David Grisman on an electric mandolin. Mm. You know, that, that's that, that's not something that you would think would happen. Now, Peter Rowan and you share a very similar storytelling kind of kind of personality. I mean, you're you're him on you know acid and everything else, but really? wow. <laughs> but I, I find that. I mean, he's a Pied Piper in a lot of ways. I mean, you're in a very an eccentric Pied Piper at that. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, he's more of a low key Pied Piper, right, yeah. Rowan? Yeah, kind of like the mysterious Piper. But I imagine you've had some some good encounters with him. Yeah, talk to us about Peter. The young, some of the younger folks don't even know who he is. Uh, you know, Peter Rowan, you know, I guess Midnight Moonlight and Panama Red and all those songs, those would probably be his, his most uh, popular things and Free Mexican Air Force and stuff. What I really love about Peter is his youth, use of mythology in his writing. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and myth and music, of course, we have to talk about Bruce Hampton. You know, and, and he took that mythology in the music and, and lived it. You know, he created myth everywhere he went, you know. Somehow and he still does. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to talk more about him, but yeah. I do like one thing. We interviewed Drew on that night that we'll talk about later. And he said he said that he feels sometimes you so much embody him that you become him sometimes, which is uh, pretty damn high praise to get from a bandmate. It's, uh, it's a tough field to be an understudy in, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> See, well, here's that, the thing: you you didn't get your degree in uh, West Virginia, but you did get your degree in Zambi. Yes, yes, I did, I did, and and uh, actually, I, right here in Atlanta, from Jeff Sipe, you got that degree on the stage of the Variety Playhouse, if I'm right. Nice, nice. I I, I must have that that diploma somewhere. <laughs> Is that a Zambiland yeah. orchestra? Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the, the diploma, you can only see it when when you start rolling your your arms. Right. Your, ah. yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, that's yes, when you yes, see yeah, it. Yeah, you gotta unfurl it. <laughs> yeah, there was a, a great Zambi at the Variety one. I, I do remember that. No idea what year that was. Hey, while Sipe's on the table, how long was he in Leftover Salmon? Oh, yeah, that was, uh, that was uh, about like back I when I was promoting a, you in 2009. Yeah. Was it 2003, 2001, 2000, somewhere around that time? I have no idea of those numbers attached to time zones. <laughs> but man. roughly uh, how many years? I'd say probably seven or eight, maybe. I, I, it, was, it was a pretty good long time. Can you just I t- talk about how. Playing with a drummer like that, and not, I'm sure all the drummers you play with are great. It's just Sipe is a very, very special, from having chops, from having spontaneity, from having just an amazing yeah. line. Can you yeah. just talk about what it's like to play with him on that, you know, and get oiled with him and play with him over a course of time? Man, it, it, it was an amazing experience, Ben. His, his, his vocabulary was just insane. Um, he and Ty North, I thought, played really, really well together and off of each other. Yeah. Um, and it it it, it did it. It stepped the band up into a really different, different kind of level of of playing uh, to play with Jeff. And uh, did it? Do you think that also? I mean, it's weird to say that the drums made the keys more proficient in the in the sound. But it, to me, it seems like post Jeff that that the keyboard had a had a stronger element in your music than listening. Like it steps up the percussive a little more. Like there's a trade off. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> well, let's go to Nashville. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's uh, maybe maybe that that is so. I I never thought of it like that, Seth. You know, but uh, I'm the first to tell him he's not making sense when he's not. But I, that did kind of make sense to me. Actually. Now, now, uh, and I can't remember how any of this happened. Did Bill McKay come in after Sipe? 
the Sipe era. Uh, uh, you I think know, there's this a little is really bad. I, I think I'm there's really a little bit of an myself. Isn't there like a six nine month around the time the almonds played uh, Christmas Jam? Hmm. No, uh, I'm I'm not certain because I'm I'm trying to go back in my mind. I have the show where Jeff was on tour with you. I was. I was out of college, but I was promoting. It was at the moon. We had Robert Randolph, who no one heard of yet, open for you. And then he sat in. I remember trying to think who else was. I got the picture there, but I don't, I don't know if that was that. Oh, well, can we go I to think Nashville? he might have came after. Can we go yeah. to Nashville? Let's go uh, to Nashville. You've been wanting to go to Nashville for a while. Because I, I love their whole catalog. But oh. the Nashville Sessions is really yes, yes, yes. a special timepiece. What's it like to look into Waylon Jennings' eyes and sing in the studio with him? Unbelievable, man, and and um, absolutely, you know, intimidating. But the man made you so comfortable in, in his presence. He, he he really did. He 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 told great stories. Can you tell us one? Um, Remember he, one? He said I'd have to kill whoever heard it. But tell it and uh, try. Uh, all right, okay. <laughs> uh, they were they were leaving a festival one time with David Allen Coe. Uh, and I forget who was the whole band was. It was Waylon and David Allen Coe and um, man. But anyways, they, they hadn't gotten paid, and it looked like they weren't going to get paid. And they're bombed real heavy, you know. And they're they're out at the front gate of the festival, like trying to get the money, trying to get the money. It's not happening. Not happening. Doesn't look like it's going to happen. And David Allen Coe gets off the bus. Opens up one of the bays, closes the bay, walks around the, the, the booth at the opening of the festival there, and uh, comes back on the bus, say, let's go. No, we're, we're, we're going to get it. Nope, let's go. Uh-oh. We're, we're going to, we'll get the money. Let's go. They pull away, and out <laughs> the rear view mirror in the ticket booth blows up. Ooh. He had taken a stick of dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you that one. I was, I, I was gonna say that just makes me want to hear another. <laughs> but but one of the one of the things I will never forget, man. He's leaving. He's getting in his his black Cadillac. You know, a just classic scene. And, and you know, we're, well, thank you so much for coming out. You know, and he's talking about doing this and doing that. And the last thing he said was, "I never did like country music." <laughs> I get that. Though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because the greatest country artist, like Johnny Cash, he's not really country though. No, he's it's, more he's more it's Western. Him, but it's that it's him. It's not that he's country. It's that it's, it's him. Just him. Yeah. It's, it's who he is. And what he is. And you know, they called it outlaw country. You know, I I never saw him in a post office. You know, <laughs> I mean, but you know, call it what it is, man. It's it's just the expression of those personalities. Uh, well, so when he walks clearly. by, you just imagine a uh, dust cloud, I mean, the dust ball just, just follow after him, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love that's the really. feel of the nobody's fault but mine. Oh, yeah, that's... And I guess, it, it, and I wasn't surprised to, in my research to learn, because it has such a natural feel to it, that when J, John Bell, who they, they do it with John Bell, he showed up, you didn't really know what you were going to do, and then you ended up sitting on the, on the floor of the studio and just doing it live, right? We sat around uh, in a circle just to learn the song, you know? Uh, and uh, I, I'd first heard the song, uh, a David Bromberg version of the song, speaking of Bromberg, 
doing nobody's fault but mine. It's it's just so funky and cool. So you know, wanted to figure out you know how we were going to blend these versions of the tune, and so so we sat around in a circle. And just for kicks, you know, to, for reference later, the engineer stuck one mic in the center of the circle. And, uh, you know, so, so we played this, this tune. I remember looking at the mud on JB's boots while I was kind of <laughs> looking down. Um, and, you know, just, you know, figured we were learning the song. And uh, that was it. <laughs> we went, played through it, and the engineer said... That's a wrap. All right, I think we got it. Like, what do you mean? We're gonna go record it. No, no, listen to this. Bell's a very interesting mix of amazing energy and amazing calm, is he not? Isn't that really what Southern rock is? Oh, that's a good point. I like that. You know, you look at the brother, the Almond Brothers, you look at Derek Trucks, the embodiment that's, of yeah. high energy calm. <laughs> that's a great <laughs> that he, point. He is the yin yang of that. That's I mean, a great that, point. That's, that's, you know, to the extreme. That is true. Because any, anyone out there that hasn't actually seen Derek off stage or just seen him, he, he's, I mean, you gotta, you gotta like put your hand on his neck just to make sure he's got a pulse. Yeah. He's so mellow. <laughs> now, Mark Van was your founding member. Uh, one, one, you, you and um, Drew Emmett and Mark mm-hmm. were the founding members. Mark was the original banjo player who we lost a few years ago. But around the Nashville session time, he got to play with Earl Scruggs, right? He sure did, and uh, it was absolutely terrifying for him. He was blown away that he was, you know, not only in a room with with him, but he was going to play with them and, and and mark had a an undiagnosed uh heart arrhythmia at that point uh he would he, oh, would he have already... an operation about six months later uh to put in a pacemaker oh. on his heart and he was sweating buckets 
during that session with Earl because he was so freaked out and all that. And, and that's one of the things that kind of got him to start looking into what was happening. Mm. I mean, he was, it was, it was change your shirt kind of levels of sweat coming off Mark. And in that session, it was, that rub. it was right. mind boggling. I want to get checked. I am a sweater. <laughs> It's change shirt changing sometimes too. But anyway, yeah. what about Reese Reese Winans? How, how well did you guys know Reese? And did he? Were there some Steve Ray Vaughn stories involved? Hmm. Uh, you know, Reese just came in for, for that session. Uh, you know, as a, as a Nashville guy, we didn't have a piano player in the in the band at the time. This is between. Uh, yeah, but that was the yeah. idea. of The whole thing It's just to set up in Nashville and get them all in. Right. Exactly. And and, and uh, he came through uh, John Cowan. How much I of a think. plan did you guys have for who's going to show up, or was it just open house? Well, Drew told us that, that you. I, oh, I always right. thought it was open house, but Drew said that it was more set up than <clears> No, it, it was pretty much figured, and, and Randy Scruggs produced the record and, and arranged you know, a lot of the stuff. We actually tried to get Johnny Cash to do it, and then it was real close to getting Johnny <sighs> to do a thing, you know, because you know, hmm. Randy worked with, with, with John a lot. So. Although I don't mean uh, to be disappointed that the album was not beautifully yeah. produced. It was an excellent yeah. job. It's just Johnny Cash. It's Johnny Cash. Yeah. Yeah, um, but yeah, uh, you know, Randy put all all that stuff together, and and uh, we were with Hollywood Records at the time, and and so we actually had a you know a thing that doesn't exist anymore in the music business, which is a, a budget to do something creative. What, how, <laughs> you know? What's that? What's that word? Yeah, yeah. This is back in the in back in the seventies. The difference of the that. budget then and now. Then it actually meant like a physical thing, like cash. Like here's a budget to work with. Now I got budgets. I just have no cash to spend on the budgets. <laughs> right. <laughs> and before we leave out Mark Van, uh, the current banjo player is Andy. It's uh, Thorn. I love the instrumental name. Thornpipe. Thorn. If you want to know Andy Thorn, listen to Thornpipe. Also listen to The Rain. What, what is it? Uh, Light Behind the Rain. Beautiful. On the live, the live yeah. version on 25. Really nice. What would Mark most like about Andy? Oh, that's a good question. I like that, Rob. He really... Uh... Andy really, really is Mark in a lot of ways. Like, like you are the he'll, he'll eat Chinese food anytime it's available. You know, Mark was serious. Mark's ideal road trip, you know, pull off the exit was a Chinese Wendy's liquor store. So you'd have Wendy's burgers because they had pump ketchup. Mark hated ketchup packs because you had to open so many of them. That he really preferred pump ketchup. He went into a place and it was it, they didn't have pump ketchup. He'd 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 leave. And this is before <laughs> the luxury of the squeeze packet. Kids. Yeah, yeah, still waste though. Yeah. I remember when you had to open the. Yeah. But yeah, Thorn uh, Thorn digs Chinese food. You know, uh, the Chinese Wendy liquor store is is a uh, uh, stop is definitely as valued. Um, and he, you know, he he puts a ton of energy into it. Uh, he he plays it in non banjo like ways sometimes, which Mark sure did. Um, um, which can send the music could be particularly helpful during improvisation, I imagine. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And uh, you know, Andy's right hand is is just ridiculous, and 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 Mark's was too. You know, so uh, yeah, it's a great adventure, great guy to hang with. Um, you know, totally. Hearing music in his head at all times, and uh, you know, going after it with a, a serious, serious degree. You know, Mark uh, uh, really 
you know, playing banjo in a, in a band was really what he wanted to do. And, and, uh, you know, having gotten to play with, with Earl and, and do, doing those things that, that he had set his, you play with his, his goal. For, oh yeah. A bunch. Yeah. Um, setting that goal to be one of those players, you know, that got to do that thing, you know, he, he achieved that. And then I, I, I think was a little, um, confounded about what to do next uh, honestly you know he, he had he had achieved what he had set out to do and 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 it didn't quite know what was next it's a it's a trip you know? you, <clears throat> that, that's an interesting point though Did you just discover that in other musicians out there that that that's a you know especially as we're all getting older now people have uh, achieved the greatest of the, that they ever thought they could what happens at that point? You know, a lot of people have trouble getting over that and kind of get to that next place. I, you know, I don't have any any uh, any knowledge of it myself. <laughs> yeah. Well, you still have that voice in your head. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just still have that voice. I'm trying to, try to figure out you how to play better. that thing. You're thing, never going to be good. <laughs> I don't care if you play it in front of 30,000 people. You're still never going to make it. Mine's more like, you're going to wind up working in a gas station. <laughs> wind up working in a gas station. <laughs> Uh, where were we? <laughs> well, can well we... we were in Nashville, but I think we're moving on from Nashville. Well, I would like to talk about Bill Payne a little bit, if that's all right. Yeah. Sure. And before we do, uh, Robert Hunter, because one of the songs, uh, recent song he, he co-wrote with Robert Hunter, uh, Bluegrass Pines. First of all, have any of the other band members collaborated with Hunter? Have you, have, do you guys have any oh, originals? No. no. No, boy, wouldn't that be fun to do? Well, you should yeah. reach out. He's he's definitely he's, he's given Nelson some, and uh, he knows uh-huh. who you are. But anyway, so Bill, and it's interesting that he chose to do it with you guys and not with Little Feet that song. Or does he also do it with Little Feet? Well, there was a about a, a three year break, in, well maybe two year break in, in Little Feet, um, even playing shows and stuff. And that's that's when Bill uh, jumped on the on the salmon boat. Did Robert? Do you know how that went? Did Robert approach him? Did he approach Robert, or did it? He, he did they meet at a at a bash? Because <laughs> Robert's a recluse, a bit, right? He was writing with Robert um, when he was with Little Feet, and they had been sending stuff back and forth. He he hadn't met met Robert yet. They had had done all this over uh, over emails and then uh, phone messages, all the, all the songs going back and forth and stuff, um, and they hadn't ever met. Hmm. Robert's, you know, mildly reclusive, so uh, uh, that all happened over the interwebs. And, uh, yeah, I know. think he could write some poly polyethnic Cajun slam grass lyrics, don't you, Seth? Yeah, Robert, are you listening? We hear we've been told he listens because <laughs> yes. he's in the house a lot, so he doesn't, you know, he has to do something. Yeah. Uh, let's see. <laughs> well, what but else? then with Bill going on the road with you all, <clears throat> that kind of changed things up too, because now, I mean, he was. Was uh, how do I say this the the right way? Leftover is a is a fun and exciting band, right? Everyone's you know you're very personable. Was he as personable on the road, or is he a little bit more reserved? Yeah, he, he's a personal guy has has a lot of stories to tell, and and uh, um, a great guy, but he's brilliant man. Um, reads a whole lot, you know. is a is a great historian and. Uh, and writer himself and and you know um you know while we were you know hanging out you know um 
you know, doing whatever it is we do, Bill was reading and, uh, and, and writing, you know? Um, so, uh, you know, I, I guess it's, uh, I, I remember the story of, uh, Sam talking about how some of the material for strength and numbers came about, you know, and Sam and Jerry would be out, out raging it up and tell you riding Bailey and Edgar be back at the condo <laughs> writing and working on stuff, you know? So it was that sort of thing, you know, with Bill. Yeah. Edgar Meyer's amazing. Yeah, yes. Any Lowell George stories? Uh, man, um, I have one, but I'll tell you off air because our listeners have already heard it. But, <laughs> oh man, what a great, what a great cat! You know, no, not none. I, I think I, I would, uh, I would share. Um, Drew also told us about one time that uh, during the horde, I guess the colonel sat in a bunch, right? Oh yeah. But one time, <clears throat> old Neil came out too, huh? Yeah, that was a, that was a good good thing. Then I'm I'm taking a guitar solo and the crowd just absolutely erupts. I'm thinking, man, I maybe I can do this. <laughs> We're killing the crowd's losing it. It's man. like when the blind, when Prince sat in with yeah. the Blind Boys of Alabama and the, you know, <laughs> the front guys are blind. They're like, we are raising the roof. It was that Prince had sat in. But go on, <laughs> very similar kind of thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm rocking this guitar solo, and I look over, and there's Neil Young looking over my shoulder. I'm like, whoa. And he's just playing the harmonica, right? No yeah, guitar? No, he, he hadn't uh, started playing the harmonica at that point. He was just kind of, you know, walking around the stage. Like you know? he was lost? Yeah. It was his final top moment? Hey, you know where catering is? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know the way to catering. Please show me I'm hungry as hell. <laughs> That's in honor of uh, of Irma pitching. Not to get what catering? Uh, it's going to require a lot of catering. Oh my I'll god! Tell you. It is. So then, did you have to talk him into picking up the harmonica, or did he just, or did you no, just let no. Neil Young do what Neil Young wants no, to do? No, I, I just I looked over at him and and was like, I, I, why don't I just uh, end this guitar solo? Why don't you get one on the harmonica? And that's that's what he did. But once he's out there, aren't you tempted to be like, hey, sing one? Well, you know, he we he we finished the tune and he he kind of gave it the way. <laughs> he found catering. <laughs> yeah, Suddenly like knew exactly where it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right Sorry. next to the trains. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, let me. Let's. Um. Well, one one thread to lead in that direction. I want to know uh, uh, one of your great songs, also on <clears throat> the one with the, the longest track on Nashville Sessions, is a Drew song called "Trouble Times." Uh -huh. Beautiful. You should check it out if you've never heard it. But it's an interesting thing to me about Leftover Salmon because you're the fun good time band, but we're in times where probably we need you that type of band more than ever. But I'm thinking that maybe it's harder than ever. To maintain that good time veal, can you talk about that? Talk to that at all? As things are getting stranger and stranger. Well, Rob, in the world. have have you been paying attention to their what they just put out like two weeks ago? Talk to me. Yeah, it's a thing called House of Cards, which is, uh, you know, we're not releasing a new album till March, uh, but we thought that this really needed to get out there to do what music can do, which is maybe affect change. Um, it's 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 our plea to to end this madness end the madness and uh well i think that's what planet earth is trying to do also but uh go on yeah it is <laughs> i it radiate is. the cancer yeah more ticks um you know uh, um 
it, it, it basically is a description of the Trump administration and uh, the train that they're, uh, we're going uh, down the track on. And uh, it's that, uh, was that you that did the train? No. Oh, that's uh, that's that's me. I'm, I'm I do a ventriloquist. <laughs> it's, it's what Drew said. He becomes with, the colonel. We just yeah, saw it. Yeah, yeah for yeah. real. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, oh my god. But uh, um, yeah, the the train track that we're on needs to change direction pretty quick because the uh, love is uh, is going to win over hate, man. And uh, there's there's entirely too much hate in the press <laughs> these days. Uh, witnessing the hate going on around the country, it's uh, it really needs to turn around quick. my brother how does the story end with idiocracy rising how do we come back again back into a future where I believe in it where everybody matters love's gotta win again I say oh no, this is not normal beats hate the problem is the people that are hating love to hate and that's a complicated part. well to me it's the extremes Ooh. have taken over the voice of the extremes has gotten too loud and i think social media is part of that because people are more and more in their own bubbles sorry hang on a second rob can you say that again the clear-headed metal yeah. is getting <laughs> lost in the that. shuffle yeah but i was trying to what i was trying to look up there on the computer was railroad earth also recently about a month or so ago uh-huh. uh, released a really really good video i think it's called add my voice or lend my voice or something about my voice check that out it's in this similar vein and a beautifully shot video as well, but Seth. Before we go into all that, let's uh, we're we're talking about we're talking about current. So uh, let's, oh, let's talk, talk about your son. Yeah, let's talk from let's, Gypsy Moon, right? Or Gypsy? Yeah, yeah Gypsy Moon, right? You're yeah. you're doing a tour right now with your son. But I want to make it clear yes. that his son Silas, accomplished mandolin player Very in his own band before this tour. This isn't, you know, you know, this is this is. Yeah. The, we just had him. You're lucky to have him. Let me, let me just say it. Absolutely, man. Uh, and this tour has been great. Uh, I realized that I can, he's the perfect foil for my, for my shtick uh, because he's heard it all. <laughs> you know, none of it's new to him, and, and, uh, except what we're making up at the time, which he's way more than comfortable with. And uh, uh, it, it's just perfect. I am absolutely blissed out after a week of shows with Silas. Now, it's a couple of years back. He's, I remember you brought him on Jam Cruise with you. And he was just coming out of a shell at that point. Does he listen to old Leftover Salmon recordings and give you commentary on them? <laughs> Not at all. No, he's... he's. Uh, Does he have any interest in left, early Leftover and Leftover Salmon? He's got other things going on, man. Just curious. You know, it's, uh, I, I I guess I don't I don't think he's digging into that stuff, but uh, um, 
he's uh, <coughs> oh, excuse me. he's he's a, a great player in his own right and in fact while I think of this I was telling him about that voice in my head that said, you can't, you can't do this, you know? Like, so I, I was 25 when I finally jumped off the ship and said, I'm full feet in, I'm, I'm going in, I'm, I'm just going to do it. He's 23, and he has always been told, you have to do this. Nice. <laughs> I wonder which not is... By, not by me or anything, right. but by his friends and all. Like, just just be, hearing like, him like, this saying... Is what, this yeah. is what what is the natural thing you should do this is what you should be doing you know and and he's to the point now where where this is uh you know he's been in a band for five six years um and it's kind of all fell into his lap and and it feels kind of un undirected like he just fell into it and he's wondering what what it is to do of his own kind of creation at, at this point and it's, it's really a fascinating place to be so is he the one that's kind of led the idea for you guys to do this tour then, or is this how's this how this tour uh, come about? I had some uh, I had some uh, spot open in the calendar and and uh, we called his agent. To, yeah, I called his <laughs> agent, and, uh, but we've been doing some shows as the Herman Clan. My, my other son Colin is a, a bass player, singer, songwriter guy. And uh, we're doing a trio, the Herman Clan, THC for short. It, don't you um, when you go north there, you do the Herman Crab though, right? The Herman Crab, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so I, I spoke with some friends who were at the show last night, which is at Music on Main in Lilburn, right? Yes. Which, by the way, anybody in or near Georgia, a wonderful concert venue. Moms, Music on Main. Music on Main, Moms. Great Beautiful place to bring the kids place. too, by the way. It really is. And uh, people were v- raving about your song. It was uh, a stand-up, but you also played with a. We're, we're an Atlanta-based podcast, and you played with a guy I consider the Pied Piper of Atlanta, Ralph Roddenberry. Talk about that. How was that to play with him? Such a thrill to to pop into that scene at Mom's, you know, with Ralph and Scott and, and their families and all this this scene and and to have, you know, Ralph, you know, playing three or four songs we've never heard before that are just powerful as could be. And, and Silas has known that song mod of his for a long time. We've been playing it, and to see Silas's eyes just bug out at the the heart that Ralph is just laying on us is just like, oh, so, you know, I know these things from traveling around the country. I, I, I know the treasures that are out there yes. and, to, and to turn my son onto him has just been a kick in the ass. Mm-hmm. He's got a, Roddenberry's got a, a big heart and when he's on, it just washes over the crowd, you know? Yeah, so it makes sure sense that he has this kind of subculture of his own around him. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Because it, it can be infectious. It can be really uh, something else. It's a good virus. Good virus. We should, we should have Ralph Roddenberry working for the Centers for Disease Control. Just to cheer people as, up. As a cheering agent. I like that idea. Yeah, you could, like, in the morning you do percussion drum work with Mickey Hart, and in the afternoon you do just pick me up with Ralph Roddenberry. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. And then, of course, in the late afternoon, yoga with Rob Turner. And then some silly Seth game. Seth, <laughs> yeah. Seth will talk yeah. some poor well, musician. Poolside. Seth will talk some poor musician into something horrible. Yeah. yeah. Like wearing... Shaving cream and clown costumes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Which he was... You were... I've had Vince do some... some at this I point... I imagine. At, at this point, when I called John Joy... I'll say, listen, I, you know, I got an idea. He's like, Vince just says whatever. He'll do it. He just, it's you. He'll do it. 
<laughs> like, but this time he's going to wear a nurse's. It's fine. But how about Doctor uh, Mr. Wizard? It's fine. Actually, Mr. Wizard, we should do you as Mr. Wizard. Have you do experiments by the pool or Mayor McCheese? <laughs> Chemical, yes. Chemical reactions with Mr. Wizard. You want to do that? Sure. All right, it's done. Or if sure. you want to fit salmon lore, you have them do Mary McCheese <laughs> yeah. something, right? Is it, was I, think, it? I think I've signed up for the painting. Well, the paint, uh, I'm still course. trying to yeah, coordinate yeah. that. So there's a local yeah. Mayan artist, a modern Mayan artist, and he's going to do a uh, uh, painting class where, you know, where people just sit down and he guides them through how to you know, paint the piece. And you and, uh, and Tim Carbone are both going to be side by side, his principal students, if you will. Nice. Playing? That's the idea. They'll be playing or just sitting there? No, just just painting. Learning yeah. to paint. I mean, yeah. if you want to oh, play, too, you can. But... We'll be scrabble cambling up you know, the whole place. Yeah. yeah. But uh, the Mr. Wizard, though, I like acid experiments with Mr. Wizard yes. or something, you know? Like, yes. I'll come up. I'll, I'll, Everybody I'll... bring your chemicals down from your room and let's <laughs> see what we can do. <laughs> Breaking jam. Oh, okay. <laughs> Breaking jam. Yeah, buddy. So what did the getting back to Mary McCheese? I was always what was the whole thing with the Mary McCheese and leftover salmon? How did that start and when did it end? Uh, the Mayor McCheese was liberated from a Denver area McDonald's in the uh, late eighties. Liberated. Uh, it was hanging at a friend's house in Crested Butte. He was moving. We happened to be visiting him that day, and I said, "Man, I'm getting rid of this thing. I'm just going to throw this thing out." I said, "No, you're not." What do you want to do with it? I, we'll find out, you know. And so it, he became the the Zen co the traveling Zen koan. He means everything and he means nothing to us. That's so Colonel. Yeah. Nowhere but is now. Are here. you willing? Are you willing to share the story of the mini McCheese and the master big McCheese? Oh yeah, I yeah. love that story. One night at the Fox Theater in Boulder, the Mayor McCheese probably weighs fifteen pounds. 20 pounds solid, you know, probably three foot across, large plastic cheeseburger, you know, and, and occasionally it would get tossed through the crowd, you know, crowd surfing the mayor, and this dude got hit in the head one night at the Fox Theater in Boulder, and, and uh, all right, and, you know, I'm not going to go find a cop, I'm going to sue over this thing, you know, and, and uh, Silas's mom was, uh, was there and saw the guy getting angry. And uh, decided that um, he, she better follow him out outside. So the guy goes outside and he's looking for a cop. And he finds this cop. He says, I just got hit in the head with this burger and I want to press charges. And Kimba goes over to the cop and says, could you come over? She had this little little doll in her hand about a six inch high Mayor McCheese <laughs> uh, thing. And says, you know, hey, this guy was uh, just hit with this thing. He's he's kind of worked up a little little off, you know. So <laughs> I wouldn't put too much credence into what he's saying, <laughs> and you know, just left. That was that was the end of that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it was. I, I'm telling you, it was ten feet. This hamburger. It, it, <laughs> it's all nothing. But the McCheese that was with that used to be with the band now lives under the Denver airport. Is that true? In that bunker. I, uh, and string cheese had a hamburger, hamburger, right? Because they, they're, did they're, they steal your fans. They're, they're, <laughs> <laughs> they're, there's a guy in in Illinois who's threatening to make a mold to make Mayor McCheese's uh -oh. right now, 
So um, I won't comment on whether the mayor is underneath the Denver airport. All I know is um, careful who you believe to be the mayor. You know, um, there's a parallel universe thing going on here. Have you heard of the Mandela effect? The Nelson Mandela effect? No, it's called the Mandela effect. I don't know who it's named after. It's not Nelson. What it is, is is things are changing. We're living in a parallel reality. Is this the one Colonel says time has ended? Is this This, this may be a reference to that, yeah. Um, Bruce Springsteen, born in the USA. You know the front cover, right? What's in his pocket? Handkerchief. Used to be. Now it's a ball cap. Huh? It's changing. The Bernstein Bears. Yeah. They're now the Bernstein Bears. Well, that's just a, the, they got bar mitzvah and they wanted to... Parallel Rolling... universes, man. Rolling Parallel Stone. universes. Rolling Stone changed all the early Grateful Dead reviews after In the Dark came out. See? Completely different great ratings, write-ups. We're living in a parallel universe because time is changing so quickly. The Matrix is about to be exploded and exposed for what it is. And it starts in Florida this weekend. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> tune in. Coming soon. CNN. It helps Atlanta if you watch CNN. So tune in and watch. In a world. <laughs> and then comedy in the 70s at 9. And then back to the hurricane. So speaking of hurricanes, so Leftover Salmon is going to be doing a tour. Uh, but here when you come through Atlanta, you're playing the city winery, which is not the room I would imagine for Leftover Salmon, where people are sitting down and having dinner watching you perform yeah can we have what's your choice set? what's the is is this an acoustic tour or what's yeah. going on this and are you is, playing more rooms like that on the run this is an acoustic tour nice. it is uh we we uh just want to get out there and do something different you know um and we love playing bluegrass music so uh we're gonna take it down acoustic all one's gonna be on a little snare and brushes and uh oh, wow, okay. and greg will be on upright and we'll have an acoustic piano and and, and uh, you'll be, and you're in that setting. Is there a conscious effort to be more expressive and less big as a vocalist? Um, you know, I just try to sound um, <clears throat> like myself. Um, I'm trying to not be as big. No big is <laughs> gotta stay off those. But I don't know by then if I, I might biscuits. be less bigger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, think about this biscuit yeah. tour. You're gonna come back much bigger. In an electric band, you want it. I mean. Like, the crowd yeah. wants to. Yeah. You need to. Well, there's definitely intimacy. Uh, uh, there's intimacy issues. Uh, <laughs> with that's this, why I'm not. That's why I'm not uh, enough of the cattle prod. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Okay. Ha! I'll, I'll All speak. Right. All right. I'm yeah. 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 <laughs> You're going to the mind, kids. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Theater but, of the mind. No, it's definitely more intimate. And then, you know, I, I'm intimidated as could be by sit down audiences and stuff. I feel like I. I I have to be smart or something. I have to be delivering a, a lecture, a, a, a treatise on folk music. A lot of musicians say that. He'll like be wearing that. a tie, in other words. But I think yeah. as an audience yeah. member, <laughs> I think it's just be more engaged and, and not afraid to play quieter stuff. That's all. You don't mm-hmm. need to talk between songs any more acoustic than electric. <laughs> musicians so, do that to themselves. So, so instead I'm of serious. rise up, wake and bake, it's going to be sit down, eat some cake. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's all about the frosting. 
Yeah. So this tour, uh, we'll, when we do an intro outro, we'll definitely mention all the dates of the tour and let yes, you guys sir. know where you're going. Of course, so you can see it online. Mm. Uh, but that's exciting. But we let's um, let's go back though. Let's can we do a little little way back? Just just a just a couple can you months. Do the back rewind to, noise. It's going to be just till May. So it's we're back now in May. Seth has all these noises. <clears throat> You, you really want the full effect, though, don't you, Rob? It's like an or- Seth might organic Fred Norris. Want to hear my best animal imitation? Yes. Passing, passing by, cicada, cicada. I got one. You got one, Seth. I got one. Go ahead. Uh, some sort of parrot. Some, some, yeah, at the botanical gardens of some bird. I just mimicked it and my, <coughs> lost my voice now. Do you know the pigeons <coughs> used to used to sound like? What do they sound like now in the parallel universe? Yeah, now they live in the city and they got that oil slick around <laughs> their neck. Like, <laughs> it's true. I can just do one insect. Okay. It's an ant. I just want you to know your mother's doing great. Koala. Koala. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, real quick, is it true your brother's... Dress you up as a hippie, and you have a picture of you at three as a hippie. And can we have it and tweet it? And, and oh no, can we use that as the cover photo? Yeah, can for we this? use that as a cover photo for this for this episode? I, I will text my wife and have her take a photo of the photo. <laughs> it's photo of the photo. And, that works. Uh, yes, mm. I will. Mm, 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 mm. All right, yeah. so we went back. We're going back now. Uh, May uh, Atlanta, and um, let's talk a little bit about that night. Um, yeah. It was, did you fly out just for the event, or did, you, were you, you were in the middle? We were coming from somewhere else on the salmon tour, uh, and Drew and I went to Atlanta. The rest of the boys went home. Um, can't remember where we were before that. Some Maryland or something. Delaware. Yeah, but um, yeah, we we got there just for the day, and uh, um, actually got there too late to really do much in the way of rehearsals and. And hang much of the day there, but uh, man, it was an, um, the most amazing show I've ever seen in my life. There's no question about it. That you know, I somebody asked, "So, what was the best show you ever saw?" Boom, you know, there's no question about it. That was, and and the gas the gas <clears throat> pedal just was just floored the whole time. But didn't it just? I mean, just at the, the end, what Herrick went to the. Yeah. Everybody, it just every hair. It, people, Space is the place. I'm so glad were, their it, hair were coming it, out of their necks. Miles, it was so long. big. The energy was so big in that room on those last two songs. It was amazing. I was stone sober because I was still trying to line up interviews. That's why we were there, and I couldn't believe how big and thick the energy was. But I remember, you know, at the end of the night when when it happened, and we all we all just were kind of just this this, the, you know, the musician and the fan. There was just, everyone was just human. And in in shock, but in this, but the shock was so weird because it was like, it's such a weird, it was such a shock, but yet something that makes no sense made all the sense in the world. And, and to, I just, everyone was processing like a, just 
so quickly in so, their heads. So and- I was on the left side, all the way on the left. So I went right backstage <clears throat> when it happened and was really confused and didn't know what was going on because I couldn't really see that well. Right. Couldn't see down low. But it was actually your face coming off of that stage where it all changed for me where I was like, uh-oh. I mean, I don't know if you remember it, but you came running around and then they came, and then the paramedics came in right after like, get out of here, get out of here, get out of here. And it was just such chaos and so... Uh, so so strange, but but um, are your memories of the night? I mean, yeah, they yeah. This is a hard thing. It's a hard thing, but the, how does how does a musician walk away uh, on that from 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 a night like that? Because it was such a high and so great, and then of course the devastation. How do you mm-hmm. how do you how do you how do you take the take that night with you? Is it borderline selfish to not see the joy in the night? Yeah, for, a- in on in honor of the colonel. <clears throat> I um, when we realized that when someone from the crowd came up and rolled him over, then we realized that you know that something was very wrong. I um, I I kind of entered this black hole at this at that point, and we were kind of whisked off the stage, and and I ended up in the in the stairwell, um, with a couple guys. And they were kind of like keeping people, you know, off of, you know, behind the door there. And and we didn't know what was happening on the other side of that door. Um, But we were all kind of thinking the worst. Sitting there, just the three of us in that stairwell, contemplating life, death, the line between them, the cosmos, astrology energy of the spirit and standing there not knowing what was happening was this dark vacuum hole uh, that I've never experienced and time stopped everything stopped it was hanging in suspended animation of the world just being reorganized at an atomic level I mean everything we just knew that everything was going to be different for all of us after this moment. The sands had shifted. <clears throat> was it Kevin Scott, one of those people? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Now let's talk about, let's lighten it up here though. Let's talk about Zambi because that's, that's ultimately what, what, uh, all, what brought all those folks together. And to, well, and to real quick, you should be proud because you very much do embody it. Mm-hmm. So you should absolutely take solace in that every day of your life. Go so tell, tell, tell our listeners here what Zambi, how, how would you describe Zambi and how did you first come into Zambi? Zambi is a microbiologist for the city of Atlanta in um, uh, vector control in uh, bacteria. Uh, Joe Zambi is. He's a you know, city employee. And uh, so, of course, he's everything. Crowds part for him. Yes. Um, Zambi is a tribute to the mind of Joe Zambi um, because trees are tributes to the sky. Houses are tributes to the basement. Um, air is water. That is what Zambi means. Um, there's the bridge, there's Bert, it's a Zambi to Bert. Um, 
when Bruce left the building, all the walls between things just collapsed. Everything was everything. All is one. There, there's no difference between people, things, time, and space doesn't exist. It's, it's, it's existence, man. And and you hit the button with Bruce, and boom, this explosion of the of the universe just happens in your mind every time I think of Bruce. Now, did you, know? you achieve the grease he often spoke of? You think? Absolutely. Uh, that he said that. And and twenty yeah, years lived it is prior. just mind boggling. Can you explain what Greece is for our listeners? <clears throat> um, one of the encounters I had with Greece was at the High Sierra Music Festival. Um, we had we had stopped at a um, at a grocery store and uh, was looking for some paper, and uh, it came out of this the butcher said like well i've got this roll of paper here man that got some grease on it we can't use it you want this oh yeah oh yeah yeah it was it was a roll of probably about 500 750 feet long of butcher paper with a big ass grease stain on it and we walked around the high sierra festival passing out grease tickets <laughs> that's one of the meanings of grease. Yeah, that's one. <laughs> grease is the word. Have you heard? It's emotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Grease is what makes music uh, move. Uh, music would be building blocks if they didn't move, they'd be concrete barriers rather than water. So there's some element yeah. of interconnectivity to Greece. Absolutely. Greece is between all all elements of the universe. You have black holes, you have atoms, you have protons, electrons, and then you have Greece. Would you learn things <laughs> Would you learn things from Colonel without him saying it, or would you more learn directly? Was do you, do you find most of what you learned from him was things you had to were things you for, kinda had to figure out yourself? And he would just kind of push you in the direction. What I learned the most uh, from Bruce is paying attention and uh, caring and remembering what people are about, getting right to it, you know, um, and taking the time in an undistracted, un, uh, unfacebooked, unmessengered kind of place where you acknowledge people for all that they are. And that's one of the things that, that Bruce did. Like Del McCurry, uh, he sees the glory in every person that they meet and honor that. That's, that's what I learned from Bruce. The music stuff, the improv, and all that stuff, it's, it's, it's simple. You just turn yourself off and you let the universe play, mm-hmm. you know? But that and always answer your phone. <laughs> always answer uh, your phone always show up on time on time but oh just to, you know his mm-hmm. the best advice i ever that he gave me that he gave that i've heard him give people and that i've heard people tell me that he they got from him is you know it's, it's not you know i really want to do this no you can do anything you want just show up just keep showing up eventually you'll be doing it it's mm-hmm. just that simple you know if, i mean if you if show up and it's not good for you you'll know and you'll stop showing up 
mm-hmm. if it's good for you and you want it, just show up. Do you take significance from the fact that his last gesture was to take the solo from one and give it to the youngest person on stage and then have that person be the person whose feet he lies by as he gets his grease? That kid played a show the following day in New York on Broadway in the School of Rock. Amazing. He will never he will never play a soulless note in his life now. Exactly. Yeah. You know. So um Scott McCready had lunch once a week with Bruce. He was told to arrive at eleven fifty four. <laughs> and he did. He'd drive around the block until yeah. his time. Bruce would show up at exactly eleven fifty four with Johnny. Um This just occurred to me yet last night. Did that show end at midnight? Just before, I do believe. I wonder if Bruce fell at eleven fifty-four. I wouldn't be surprised. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm, there. We can certainly one hundred percent know that for a fact because we've, you know, friends mm-hmm. are the video crew. So, and in case it's, it's unclear timed, to anybody, but, this was yeah. a frustration in the immediate. Wouldn't surprise me. I mean, and, and I guarantee you, I, mm-hmm. I would, I would put my house on the online saying that he that he did go on an odd number. That he did not die at eleven thirty or twelve mm. o'clock. It was, it was a seven. Well, it was it, a three. They had been having this lunch for years, yeah. and it was always arrive at eleven fifty four. You know, you don't know the reasons why Bruce tells you things. You know why six is now thirteen. There was, you know, there's some mathematical shift in the universe that some physicist was talking about that Bruce read, hmm. and I'm sure that's that six is now thirteen thing. Is truth. It's, it's an improvement on Hendrix's way. six was nine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but yeah. one thing in the immediate <clears throat> aftermath too, people who weren't in the know were, were critical of the of the musicians for not responding, and and they don't realize that a it's something that he had done many many times in the oh, past. Yeah, that was so Bruce. To, but to b typically him. when someone's in danger, they're reaching out for help. They're not cautiously guiding themselves down to the ground carefully. But when you watch the video, there are the, the, everybody's smiling and warning, pointing. But there are, it is like you're not sure. What 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 was going on in your mind at that moment? Was it was, was there any second thoughts of it, or was it completely like, oh, there he goes, he's just doing his thing? Very very much, he's he's doing his thing um, until that person from the crowd rolled him over. I, I it was the camp. Was I it thought, the cameraman? I thought, man, you're I think really it was Sheila. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um the um the thing that, that, that got us and, and I remember looking at at Warren and and, and uh, Derek thinking, Wow, he's really torturing that boy <laughs> you know, later because he's it, Taz is turning around looking at me like Is this okay? And I'm like it's, it's fine, you know, and and Derek and they're all like, like, yeah, yeah, he's really working it, man. And, and Taz has just turned around like, this is not, Taz didn't think that it was okay, I think, probably from, from the go. Yeah. You know. But he knew the Colonel wanted him to play. Yeah. And like you said, he'll never, I think that was the one thing the kid was lacking, to be honest, was... Mm-hmm. You, it's not just to be technically good; it's to be informed mm-hmm. and to be wizened. And in one grand gesture, like you said, he'll never play a soloist note for the rest of his night. That's hugely significant. Mm-hmm. You crystallized my thoughts yeah. eloquently there. The uh, 
the thing that that blew me away was that there was no um there was like no transition at all he was up and he was gone right yeah he's there was no, there was no struggle there was there wasn't a twitch there wasn't right anything it was on and off the switch was turned and it was not a struggle in the slightest bit yeah no he 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 just left just left and i mean i, I and now looking back i just i'm i'm sure he knew i'm sure he knew he there's probably an astrological explanation oh, for gosh, it yeah right you know <clears throat> Well, I have aspirations of a project involving this, and the more I talk to people in the audience and on the stage, the more I see that there's a huge, huge story in this. And I'd love to capture it on as many levels as possible, yeah. including through the audience. I mean, there are people who ran into each other who hadn't seen each other forever. You know, there's significant things happening in the audience that night, too, that just are such a culmination of who Colonel Bruce was. And then, then a lot of people have had closure since then, or closure or, like, opportunities and whatnot. A lot of people have been fine, like, Great life changes for the better. Yeah, yeah. Just like these things that Bruce would always push people to mm-hmm. just by just, you know. And the, mm-hmm. when I say Bruce pushing people to things, it's as simple as you're sitting there and you're thinking, do I go on tour with my son? Should I do this? And all of a sudden, mm-hmm. hello? <laughs> Thank you, Bruce. He, you know, he just, he, just he, he would reach out to you or reach out to people just at this time of of you know, and then he also had what John Fishman called the invisible hand of influence. Uh huh. Yeah. I I I I'd been talking the the last couple of times I'd had dinner with Bruce, we talked a bunch about uh, about acting, and you know voiceovers and all that kind of thing, and how I I wanted to do, you know try to try to get into some of that kind of stuff, and uh, you know. Um, Bruce went and uh, I I went home to Oregon and started work on a television show, filming the next day that that things had been in the works and yeah that's... you know I I was still in a shade of state of Bruce shock when we did this show you know and uh, that that's yeah. exactly the type Thanks, of story Bruce. I'm talking about and that's yeah. across the board almost everybody that was affected by him in some way it, that's the way. All aboard, yeah! Mars, Mercury, Pluto, Jupiter, out of space! Space is 
What's it like to play venues like this, the Hunt House, real solace, real out-of-the-way, cool venues? Is it part of the special thing of being able to do what you do? It's uh, definitely a, a special thing in, in doing this thing that Silas and I are doing this week, man. It's been been really cool. Been at some great venues, uh, stayed at some great places. Uh, you know, never had driven across very northern Georgia. Across northern Georgia is beautiful, oh, right? My God, two, it's listen, ridiculous. folks, two hours, two hours outside of Atlanta, and you are in the Smoky Mountain Hills of the Smoky Mountain. It's so gorgeous. The beautiful. lakes there. We saw the eclipse, my family and I, and, and I'm two hours. It's 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 stupid not to go. It's and two my hours. Dad, being from the north, they don't gouge you like they do at some of the remote mm-hmm. more remote places up north either. Truly beautiful though, yeah. and it's more mountainous. Yeah. So so these little places, man, little places with history and community, and that you know, last night at Mom's was just this community thing that was awesome. You know, and and it's it 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 was the embodiment of the Atlanta music scene. You know. Um, well, there's different scenes, awesome. right? There's the, there's the scene of going out and partying all night long, and then there's the mm-hmm. scene of being able to have your kids run around and and hear the good music and, and sheer mm-hmm. joy. Yeah, and then stay up all night long. Bring <laughs> <laughs> up the sitter bill. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to call the sitter. Tell, yeah. But it's interesting to me because you, you always have to connect with the musician. But when one of them is your sibling, you know, came out of you, I mean, is it a deeper connection? Can you give some examples of maybe where you really felt you've experienced so much music as a performer, but yeah. some ways where it's different with it being your son. And on top of that, he's so talented, too. Well, we, uh, he, uh, we finished this tune that, that I had written. He said, folks, that's a Vince Herman original. And I looked at him and said, folks, that's a Vince Herman original. <laughs> 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 so if you adopt a kid, it's a cover? Is that <laughs> yeah, yeah, a cover kid, yeah. <laughs> this is my little, my little blowing in the wind. <laughs> well, he used, to, uh, he used to do covers all the time. He used to put them right over him. Yeah, tuck him yeah, in, yeah. Tuck him in at night. It's a beautiful thing, man. I mean, yeah, he, he's been backstage for years and years, you know. We'd pull the couch out from the wall and put him back there so nobody stepped on him, you know. <laughs> well, you back know. in the days when you played yeah. All Good uh, Festival in West Virginia, didn't he, wasn't he the one that tried getting the school to get, give you those last six credit hours? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> if my dad's playing down the street. Just, could I just give him the six hours? Yeah. He's, I mean, he's doing his time there. He's yeah. up all night running parades. Yeah. You know, you really should have a backup, you know. If this music thing doesn't work out. Probably get your college degree, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll leave you with a request and a related question. As many David Bromberg songs as you want. And have you met David? How many times have you met him? Have you performed with him? And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I've met him. Uh, um, I got to do a set with him, just he and I, in in Jamaica wow. uh, during the feet, Little Feet uh, thing down there, and. Uh, yeah, it was a ball. And he doesn't work with a set list. It was a ball. Right? So you're just calling him out as you go? Yeah, we were just calling him out. You know, Actually, the first time I got to play with him was in Telluride, a little workshop thing. And uh, um, there was David, Amy, Lou Harris, and I. And, uh, you know, um, doing this thing, and I, I'd take a break, and I, I, I played a Bromberg note. You know, like, <laughs> you know, and, and made him laugh. Nice. Uh, that was probably. Did Emily laugh too? Because she's she a did. fan too. She did. She she had a little chuckle. So yeah. that's a, let's make that clear. <clears throat> Emily Harris is yeah. a David Bromberg fan. Yeah. I'm yeah. like to sing with her. 
It was that was really, I, I actually didn't sing her. It was just her. Dude. I didn't. Oh. I didn't get to sing her. He just played, oh, I, he, he, I, he I will tell you one I thing. We uh, we used her dressing room one night in Telluride after the fact, and she had left her her guitar strap in the room. I ran around the camp campground that night with Amy Lou's strap on. <laughs> well, on that note, thank you. Seth, it got a little heavy in there with Vince, didn't it? It did. But he definitely, he he gave me a sentence that had crystallized things I'd been thinking. He eloquently did in one sentence. And it's about, uh, go ahead, yes. Oh, no, I was just going to say, <laughs> first of all, the train thing was weird. I still remember that. <laughs> he started talking about a train, literally a train at the, at the same instant, you know. Yeah. Started going by. And... Also, um, about Taz Niederauer. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's... He will never again in his life play a solo snow. That's kind of what I was getting at. If anyone, if you listen to the main squeeze interview at the end, we start talking about Brandon a good bit. That's what I was getting at. Vince uh, brought it forth in a very concise fashion. What a what a wonderful guy. What a treat to talk to Vince. Yeah, uh, we've got to have him back. And he's someone that I think we should just, you know, occasionally for comic relief just call in. He'd be a great caller. They are out on the road uh, doing intimate. Go ahead. Acoustic. Yeah, they're yeah. going to be doing a yeah, listening. Uh, well, it's listening rooms, but listening show, like we talked about you know, a minute ago. In theory, just because it's listed as such doesn't always mean it will be, but uh, mm-hmm. hopefully it will. Hopefully it will, because 
when Sam and, you know, when they're playing quietly, they, they can get into some heavy shit, too. Just, just like Vince, this interview. Sam can be real fun-loving and real playful, but they can get serious and throw down some real cerebral and moving music, too. Yeah. Hey, speaking of which, while you're looking that up, I want to thank their uh, manager, John Joy, who's been super helpful in getting us music and the rights to use the music on this episode and on the Drew episode and some others in between. So thank you, John, if you're listening. Thank you very much for all your support. I'm glad you mentioned that because you referenced him in the interview and don't really say who he is. So John Joy is is the tour manager for... No, no. The uh, manager manager? manager, Yeah, Red Red Ground Underground? uh... I forgot the name of the man. While you're looking that up, he'll be they'll be right here at the City Winery, our City Winery, Atlanta, Georgia, November 17th, two shows and then in Nashville City Winery the next night, November 17th in Atlanta, November 18th in Nashville. And former guest Jennifer Hartsrick um is going to be with the High Country Horns co-billing with Leftover at the Boulder Theater. And Jennifer, if you're listening, can we please have that song with you and Christian McBride, or at least the album? If yeah. not the album, the song. I'll t- We would prefer Get the album. Get on her with but that. Please, it's time. Give it. Unleash it. Please, unleash it. But it's a two nights. It's November 24th and 25th, presumably Thanksgiving weekend. And and imagine, you got Skerrick and Jennifer Hartswick and this High Country Horns with leftover, so the cross pollination. Yeah, that's cool and scary. You know they're going to sit in with leftover and I just rip Skerrick. the crap out of something. Oh man, Scarrick's great. All right, Seth. So Red Underground is the management company. With the- so how about this, Seth? I worked two nights of LCD sound system, and it was a big deal for for my venue, which is the Coca Cola Roxy. It's a Live Nation venue, and LCD only did two Live Nation venues on the entire tour. They have some reticence toward Live Nation. I don't know why that would be or would not be, but he was complimenting the venue from the stage both nights. Pointing at you. No, Rob, but just Rob, I want to thank you very much. And it all starts at the top, man. It all starts at the top. Rachel Mentor definitely sets the tone. Respect the fans. Respect the artists. You know, and, and I, I, I love the morning meetings because it demonstrates they have a knowledge and appreciation for the fans, and that drives the venue. Let me ask you this. That morning, the first... Uh LCD show. You texted me and you were saying, well, it's going to be a true test for the venue. It's a sold out show. We were understaffed. Understaffed. So (laughs) biggest venue uh, of the short run of that uh, biggest night of that the short run of that venue's career. And we were understaffed and everybody rose to the occasion. Yeah. And one of the great moments of the night was Matt Wilson and Andy. Did she take his name? Is it Andy Wilson or is it Andy Carota Wilson? Just getting down and just loving each other, loving the music, throwing out. It was really like joyous because I'm working. I'm more in the like serious mode, but they were right over my left shoulder because my boss mixed me up because it was a two night run. I have a one spot I'm usually at, but when if the same band plays two nights, I get two different views, so I get to move. And I was right up by Matt and uh, uh, Andy, and it was just pretty pretty joyous, pretty cool to see. I kept trying to take pictures of them, and they all came out horribly. <laughs> and then King Crimson. Oh, yeah, two-night run. The uh, two smallest venues of their rare, rare tour. Two small. I thought they played the same venue. Uh, yes, but it still was the smallest venue on the tour. Oh, I thought you said the two smallest. I misspoke. You're exactly right. Okay. But yeah. amazing, amazing, amazing shows. Okay, so you say amazing. What was amazing about it? Uh, the intricacy and the way they deliver it, intricate music so effortlessly. So it doesn't feel cold and calculated. It still maintains soul, but it challenges your mind. The interplay, the, the, the guy playing sax, I think his name is Mel Collins. He's played with Dylan. He's recorded with Dylan. He's played with all kinds of people. He was wonderful. They had three drummers, one of which was from Porcupine Tree. The drummers are front stage. The guitarist, keyboard are in the back. And Robert Fripp is just so amazing. His tone, 
and the subtlety to what he does. And then when he when he has to pick it up and burn, he picks it up and burns. And maybe the most creative way of dealing with the photography element of things, Seth. Um, not hiring any photographers, or are you talking about like fan no, photography? No, the fan photography. They don't oh, want... like the guy that's kind of like looks just like you and stands in front of people and holds their phone up the whole time. You mean so people who can't be at the event can enjoy it as well? Yeah, that that guy. Oh, okay. Um, no, I was not going to do that at King Crimson. No way in hell. Um, what kind of photography are you talking about? Just normal. They don't want people taking pictures or shooting video during the show. <clears throat> I think it's mainly not to distract from others because they really want people to get lost in their music, which I did both nights. Thank you, Steve Harris from Windstorm Productions, too. Amazing seats both nights. Got to sit next to Brad one night. What they do is when Tony Levin picks up his... Tony Levin, the amazing bassist. Yeah, we need those windscreens, dude. Every time. Pop, pop. We need those every time. When Tony Levin picks up his camera, that signals us that we can pick up our camera. So everyone, you know, it's the end of the show. They're not playing, Whatever. If a band doesn't want pictures, fine, you know. But I took a bunch of pictures at that point. It was pretty neat. Try not to use words with the letter P in it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> We're not going to talk about Brock Butler's band then. No. Which, by the way, he's an upcoming episode. Brock S- Butler of <laughs> Perpetual Groove. I'm not saying it. Hey, uh, Rob, you, speaking of Perpetual Groove, they played... Halloween this weekend. Yes, um, as did Voodoo Visionary. And, and were you there? I made a cameo. I just saw a few things. Just pop, 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 popped in. I just popped in and popped out. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm pretty tight on cash and festivals are money eaters. Hotels. And food. You're an eater too. So that kind of goes I'm an eater in, too. Uh, you're an eater. You're I am a urine eater. You're talking about pee. Uh, <laughs> what I did see, I, I did get to see the Mike Gordon band because I missed some on the tour. Because we didn't not get... only do you get that, but you took a little video of well, Mike that was sitting in with the a duo. duo. I boogied the whole set and but just you took waiting, video, waiting that... for Mike. Wait, I kept looking over, looking, and then he came out. Yeah, I shot a video. Uh, Periscoped it live. Would you the, say one of the Periscoped it, but it's amazing. Scott Bernstein is so on top of everything. I go. To Periscope, and you know what pops up? Who who tuned in? And Scott Bernstein's like the third person. He's so on top of things. And then he posted it on Jambase. He posted about the duo. That was later. The duo set right. was after, which I just the two of them was freaking awesome. I, I think the Gordon sit-in at the end is historic and wonderful, but I don't want it to gloss over. The rest no, of the no, set was awesome. There's no footage from me of that because I was dancing so hard. I was just waiting on Gordon. My battery's I'm gonna say done. it. I'm going to get Gordon. I'm going to say it. Jam Cruise. Last year on Jam Cruise, that set with the duo. Oh, yeah. my fucking Which was their God. comeback set, I think. that was. I the... think it was. I think it was. Uh, I mean, I, uh, that feeling you forgot, you they're know? so good, and it's just two guys. And, and they're even better now because Russo oh, has improved. Yeah. I mean, Marco, of course, is wonderful and still great. It just seems to me like Russo is even, like he grew another arm uh, or something. <laughs> grew another arm. Okay. But uh, a shout-out to Live From Live Music because uh, although mine was great, uh, video for oh, the, the immediacy and it was a dark stage so I got some close-ups that are nice but Live for Live Music uh, about 12 hours later released a really nice video yeah. nice sounding of nice that sound. it's Scratchiti duo with Mike Gordon you can look for mine on Periscope but just go to Live for Live Music and look for their article I, I tweeted it out we'll tweet it out again if I remember when this episode's released now, wonderful footage if you're a Gordon fan watch that footage now speaking of Halloween, which is a string cheese event, uh, is this rumor true about Kang leaving string cheese or quitting or something like that? Is this true? I mean, I don't know. All I can say is it reminds me of the late eighties when the there was a big rumor on Dead Tour that Phil was leave, was leaving the band and being replaced, I think, by Rob Wasserman or something. I mean, it was a big rumor. It was people were convinced. Wow. But Phil dealt with it on stage. I think at the Greek, he said, "Well, there's this rumor about me going around," and this is what Phil said: "Well, it's a bullshit lie." He said that. Oh, that's great. So I don't know. 
What do you think, Seth? Why would Michael Kang leave? Back I, to the ski slopes? You know, I don't know. But then I was thinking about him. Like, why would he leave? Like, it's not like he's got side. Have you ever heard him do a side project? He doesn't really do much outside of string cheese, does he? But that might indicate the music life isn't to his liking as much as other musicians, right. perhaps. Which you can't argue with that. I mean, if he, if he wants more time with his family, if that's where he's getting his satisfaction in life. The other option. I don't want to be a negative Nelly, but string cheese without Kang. I mean, what? Mm-hmm. What? Uh, they got to have Kang. Yeah, they do. I mean, and, I'm not the hard, most hardcore string cheese guy, but I mean, a lot of my great moments with them, he's pretty directly involved. There's, there's also this other chance that he's changing his name. He's taking the K out and, and replacing it with a CH, and he's going to be Michael Heng, and he's uh, converted to Judaism, and, and quite frankly, he's a little upset with uh, Travis, Michael Travis, uh, from a couple months back. Mm. Maybe add a U to that Chang and be a defensive back in the NFL. And you're listening to Sports Radio with Rob Turner. Rob, how about the uh, yeah, World but, Series? Yeah, this is we're recording now the day after one of the most ridiculous baseball games I've ever watched in my entire life. And you've watched a lot. Like you're you're a postseason junkie. Yeah, postseason is when I watch a lot of baseball. There's this guy Clayton Kershaw who I once saw pitch a two hitter right here in Atlanta in, in the uh, postseason. I think it was a two hitter, but I don't know. He's awesome. A, a knockdown dragout ace pitcher. In his career, when he had been given a four-run lead before last night, he was 101. 100 wins and one loss. And Houston fought back, and then L.A. went up ahead, and then Jose Altuve, my boy, tied it up. Uh, We were like, we were calling for it. I was hanging with Danny and Brian, my friends, and Melissa, and we were watching, and we were were like, hit it out, Jose. Hit it out, and Altuve, motherfucker, hit it out. Wow. So here's the funny thing. (laughs) <laughs> and, and th- this is the last thing about baseball because this is one of those yeah, neat moments that a, even a music a fan can relate to. The very they Houston started against the Boston Red Sox. The very first game that was played in Houston that was game one. When he walked up to the bat, the, all the fans were chanting MVP, 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 and I was like, oh yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty nice. Here we are in the World Series, and that guy's probably going to get the MVP of the World Series. So mm. kudos to Astros fans. And congratulations. Uh, unless you pull in Indians and lose two at home in the World Series to lose it. But I don't know. They've got this guy, Justin Verlander. Here's, here's all you need to know that he's a good pitcher. His girlfriend is Kate Upton. Okay? Thanks for listening to Inside Out with Turner. You don't get a girlfriend like Kate Upton unless your ERA is sub three, you know? I don't know. You met my you gotta wife. you got to have a good she's win-loss record and a sub-three ERA, or else she's not even going to like consider you. Hmm. All right, Seth, what's our next episode? Our next episode will be determined after this recording, because we're going to have our, our, our monthly meeting. We do. We have a very serious meeting. Very, oh, serious. This is, and we had a, another uh, Osiris meeting. Oh, I thought it was serious. It's ocean. It's an ocean of Osiris. I thought it was, oh, we're getting serious about this shit now. Two weeks from now, you'll hear just how serious things are getting. We're very honored to be asked to be part of something. And um, I don't know. There's a website. I guess we can talk about it, but I don't want to put it forth too much. Osirispod.com. Is that right? Osirispod.com if you want to know more. I thought they... If you're a listener to our show and... Uh, are, we, are we allowed to share that that, that site, Rob? It's on the web. But does it share? Is it something that's shareable? But nobody listens this deep into the podcast. But so if they cares? are listening this deep, then, then email they, us yeah. at insideoutwtns at gmail.com. And you know what you're going to win? 
You're going to rent an autograph poster of Rob's belly. I'm going to take a photo, and we are going to take this. Well, actually, no, the photo you sent to Harris the other day. We're going to print it on the printer, an 11 by 17 signed. And you know what? If you call, if you email within the next th- within three days of this being released. Then I'm going to frame it for you. That's right, folks. Inside.wtns at gmail.com. First person to, uh, what was the contest? I, I don't know. It's all going to be at your personal expense, so you're going to pay for all this. But yeah, I, I'll I don't pay care. for this. I you can pay put for- out whatever pictures you want. I don't care. If it promotes a podcast, fine with me. I'm not, looking, I'm not looking to be popular. I'm looking for the podcast to be popular. And we need your help with that, folks. If you haven't done so already and you are listening, come on. Just do us a favor. Go to iTunes rate the show do a review it really helps yeah that's you know to be honest with you if you on the one hand if you're listening now still thank you that's the osiris pods a little a little appreciation for it but it's also indicative that you really like the show and a big difference between terrestrial radio and podcast listening is that you have to be more of an active listener with podcasting and that goes for our podcast or any podcast you like if you really like it and you don't want it to go away review it on itunes tell a friend on social media share it like it you know shout it from the mountaintops you know any podcast you like particularly ours mm-hmm and if you're still listening, again, you've got uh, something. Uh, it's, uh, it's my mom again. Oh, God. Seth's mother. Con- can we put her on the air, Seth? Yeah. All <clears throat> right, cool. Hey, Mom, I'm going to put you on the air, okay? It's a, I mean, am, I, am I on the air now? Hello? You're on the air, Mrs. Oh, Long. Oh, Rob Turner, how are you? How are you, how are you recovering from your, mm, from your surgery? Well, yeah, time heals, and time does heal. I'm healing, and uh, everything's okay. Um, are you? Do you feel guilty at all because of your sickness? Your your husband almost missed a meal. Hmm. <laughs> well, things happen in life, and he's he's doing okay. So I just wanted to call and and to say something, Rob. Listen, do you mind if I say something? Yeah, but you're gonna say it anyways. Well, listen, you're my Seth's son, mother. my son Seth Weiner, he's an auctioneer, and I just want everyone to know if you have children, those beautiful children you have, the gorgeous ones. And the ugly ones, too. If they go to school, my son is a professional licensed auctioneer, and you can hire him. Mm-hmm. He can come to do your fundraiser. and He does a great job. You know what he did for me the other day? What, what, did he, what was he that? He did, you know, I had breast cancer. Yes. Well, he did the fund the breast. It was the breast fundraiser ever. Uh, we should do something where we uh, help women check for breast cancer. Didn't we talk about that once? Uh, you, you know what? And what happened with that, Rob? I recorded, I remember my son, he was at the house and it was right after I just got out of surgery. I was home, not even, I was home, not even 12 hours. And my son, the podcaster is podcasting and on the phone with you and the microphones and the computers and the wires and all those things. And, and then, and then we, you and I had a little shukakabaka and we talked and then what happened? Your you never son made lost the it. The same with the two times I've done Bill Lefsitz rants. Your son lost those too. I don't know. Sometimes Mrs. Weiner, I think they're calculated losses. You're really going to blame my son? You think he would do something so vindictive like that to you? Possibly. A friend of his like this for, what, 20-something years, some odd years? You've been friends. You think he'd do something like this to you? You remind me of when he was in kindergarten and Nancy Jones came home and told me that my son shat on her son's toy. And my son would never... And I asked him, I said, Seth, did you shit on his toy? And Seth said, of course not. So why would I believe Mrs. Chikakabaka? No, go to hell, Rob. You tell my son to call me, okay? Because I ain't got time for this. Okay, bye. You know, the way you shit on my interviews, I wouldn't be surprised if you shit on someone's toy. <clears throat> uh, sorry about that. Mom, I love you. I'll call you later. <sighs> well, anyway, that's... 
That's the end of our episode, folks. We uh, hope we hope you stay tuned <laughs> till the end here, and uh, we hope it was worth your while. Inside out. We can't give you that time back. WTNS.com.
feeling good. I'm feeling good. Yeah, I'm feeling good, boy. Yeah. Feeling good. Feeling good. He picked me up and turned me around. Placed my feet on solid ground. He put a song by soul today. Thank you. 